When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to All the Books, a weekly show of recommendations and enthusiasm regarding the week's new book releases. This is episode 355, and today we are talking about books being released on March 29th, 2022, and more. I'm Liberty Hardy, and today is a very special episode of All the Books, which makes it sound like I'm going to tell you that Matthew Perry's character died in a car crash, like a very (laughs) special episode. But, oh, first of all, spoiler alert for Growing Pains, by the way, in case any of you were wondering. (laughs) And uh, no, that's not it. Today, I am joined by my other All the Books co-hosts. We have a very special thing to discuss, and I'm going to pass it on to Vanessa because I'm just out of words. (laughs) <laughs> Thank you for joining me. I feel like we should be piping in the music from the end of like a Full House episode right now with the, the more you know, like, thanks for coming to this very special recording. So yeah, for those of you who I mean, we have a lot of loyal listeners. So folks probably already know this, but uh, all the books co- co-hosts together are Liberty Hardy, Danica Ellis, myself, Patricia Elsie Tuttle and Tears of Price. And we have never ever, ever, ever in the history of all the books talked to each other at the same time. And we're actually looking at each other's faces, which is even weirder for most of us. Thanks. <laughs> it was really hard. I was like grin talking, like trying not to laugh while I was doing the introduction because I was aware that all of you could see me doing it. Yeah, it's very interesting, but it does help for interactions when there's five of us because it's obviously a lot of people to be talking at one time. But we wanted to all come on together and have, yeah, it's a very special episode, have a little bit of a chat about a couple things. One, we're actually going to be making some changes to the structure of the show. You're still going to be getting books, you know, new books. So we're not going to like suddenly start talking about, you know, sea turtles. But it Mm -hmm. is going to be, I just picked an animal and that's the one that came to mind. But it felt like a really good time to have a conversation with each other and with y'all in theory about like why we're making these changes and to just talk a bit about what the state of the world is and how each of us are kind of coping with it, dealing with it, why we've elected to make these changes at this time uh, to get to just talk to each other, which is also, you know, nice. So we're going to kind of kick things off here. It's funny, we all know each other. And then again, we do have a lot of loyal listeners that listen, but we also get new people that come in all the time. So I thought it could be helpful to just quickly start off and kind of reintroduce ourselves and like what each of us does. And that can be both inside of your, you know, Book Riot stuff and out. I can kick us off, I suppose, which is so I'm Vanessa. I'm the managing editor at Book Riot. So I deal primarily with all of our contributors. I help make Book Riot go. <laughs> so everything to do with the site, with podcasts, new letters, etc. Work with some really excellent people. Um, this is my full-time gig now, although it wasn't always. I did start off as a contributor and then did newsletters and podcasts and then did join staff a couple of years ago. Uh, and now live in Portland and yeah, do all the books as a regular rotation. I'm the previous host of Read Harder and now primarily just stick to all the books and doing all the on-site things. So I figure we kick it off to someone not on staff next. Why don't we go with Patricia? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Let's see. I have been doing all the books and all the backlists since 2019. And I actually joined Book Riot as a writer back in 2016. So it's been a while, but I have a whole day job. I work in fundraising at UC Berkeley. And then I also, aside from Book Riot work and my day job work, I also do freelance writing. I write a newsletter and I do all kinds of things. You really do. <laughs> like, I, I knew like 75% of those. <laughs> so, thanks for telling us about that. Um, so next, why don't we go back to Danica? Hi, I'm Danica. I am an associate editor at Book Riot, which means that I edit things, newsletters, posts, I schedule stuff. It's a lot of just like miscellaneous things, social media. Yeah, a lot of editing. And then I was a contributor for a good number of years before I joined staff. So I've been writing for Book Riot for a long time. 
And other than Book Riot as my day job, I also have a blog called The Lesbury with about a dozen reviewers that I write for and manage and always seem to have a few other miscellaneous bookish things and projects on the go. That's just a light load of work. All good. (laughs) Uh, Lib, why don't you kick us off next? Uh, Before I do that, would you like to hear from a sponsor? No. Uh, Yes, we would. (laughs) Liv once told me no, and it shocked the heck out of me. Anyway, yes, I would love to hear from our first sponsor. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, so I'm Liberty Hardy. I've been with Book Riot since the beginning, uh, which is over 10 years now. We celebrated our 10-year anniversary last year, but, you know, pandemic kind of got lost in the shuffle. I'm a senior contributing editor. Uh, host of all the books and backlist. I write the new books newsletter. I write posts. I do behind the scenes work for our subscription service. I sub in for podcasts and newsletters. That is so much fun and a lot, but I also have another job that is a daily job that requires a lot of reading. Uh, but if I told you about it, I'd have to kill you. So <laughs> <laughs> now let's talk to Tears Up. I Tears the Price. I have been writing for Book Riot since 2016. I started out as a contributor. Um, I'm now a senior contributing editor. I am on all the books. I also co-host Hey YA with my fabulous co-host Erica Azafetti. And I write newsletters and content. And I've just been doing like all sorts of stuff um, for Book Riot. And I really love working for Book Riot. I am not full-time, but I am a full-time freelance writer. So uh, when I'm not doing Book Riot stuff, I also write young adult novels. I am the author of the Jane Austen murder mystery series from Collins, And I also, you know, just do all sorts of like behind the scenes content stuff. I'm a former um, bookseller and librarian. So yeah, I'm always writing something bookish for somebody, which is really a lot of fun. But this podcast is one of my favorite things that I do. I love it too. I'm having so many feels. It's so <laughs> cute. Like I see all of your faces and oh. I know. I, I realized that three of us came on board as writers in 2016. And like, why would we immediately know that about each other? Because we all just kind of popped up in Slack one day. And we're like, like little Timones. Little, Hello. You know. And all of you are reminding me, I totally also write a newsletter for Book Riot. <laughs> I do too. I'm just, I, I forget what I do because I'm always doing things. Yeah, Patricia, I literally feel like the most boring person on this podcast. I was like, I edit things. Like, why don't you? And everyone's like, I have this myriad of projects that I do. I'm like, I'm cool, too. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) It's totally fine. But I mean, this is a good kind of segue into my next point that I wanted to discuss, which is that, I mean, it's pretty evident from that little kickoff alone that each of us has, like, we're all very connected, clearly, in like the bookish angle, but then also have full other things that we do, many of which are related to books. Patricia's got a day job that has nothing to do with books. Liberty, almost all of her job relates specifically to like reading. Like she has to do a ton and ton and ton of reading. A lot of it is writing, but like none of our days look the same. And that is to some extent one of the kind of things that we like, I don't know, people seem to ask me when I tell them like what I do for a living all the time. And I imagine they do to you as well. It's like, oh, you get to read all day, like for work. That is awesome. And I'm like, funny story. I do not. <laughs> and even though all of us host a podcast that is about, you know, new releases, really kind of just an understood thing in bookish spaces and publishing, etc. that almost all the reading you do for your job is actually not done on company time. It is something that we all do in our personal time, hence why so many of us rely on audiobooks, because you're like, I got to do this laundry, but this book is due in two days. And we're all just fitting it into our lives in different ways. So as you know, if you're not new to the show, then you will know that the structure of the show up until this point has been that each of us reads four new books in anticipation of our episode. We rotate. Previously, it was, you know, we were each assigned to one week of the month while Patricia was putting on her cape and doing two on in the event that there were, you know, five weeks in a month. 
And for all you velocireaders out there, or just like people that read a ton, it, one book a week probably doesn't sound like a lot. And the truth is that for some people, it really isn't, right? Like Liberty reads a ton. I have friends that read like two, three, four, five books, you know, in like a week or so. And that's great. It's just everybody's pace is so different. So I wanted to open up the conversation here to first say that one of the major changes that we're making to the show, still going to talk about new books, but we're actually changing up the format a little, where each of your hosts is now going to be talking about two new books that we've read and are going to tell you all about. And then we're going to talk about two books that are either paperback releases that we're really jazzed about or books that we're just really excited to read from the new releases that we just, you know, haven't gotten to yet. And so hopefully, you know, that to us still falls under the umbrella. And we actually, it feels more like we really are talking about all the books now. It's not, you know, just necessarily the new releases, but also because we're human and, that's kind of where I wanted to open up the talk about, you know, it, how has everybody's reading been impacted by the pandemic? Like, do you feel like it's the same? Is it different? Has it changed a lot over time? I suspect the answer is yes. Um, but does anybody want to go first here? Sure. Danica's going to go first. <laughs> yeah, I know a lot of people turn to reading as stress relief. But personally, when I'm stressed, I can't read. I can't concentrate. So during the pandemic, it was really hard to read. And obviously, there was a lot of changes. I like went through two career changes during the pandemic, which is a lot. I started teaching. I finished my teaching program and started teaching, which was the most stressful, difficult <laughs> job I've ever had. And then I started a new job at Book Riot during the pandemic after that. And that's amazing. But that like really stressful, especially while I was teaching time in my life, I just it was such a struggle just to like look at a page and be able to focus on it. So I slowed down my reading so much. And it also got rid of my commute where usually I would read on the bus on the way to work. And that was like a regular structured part of my life. And then I didn't have any commute. So even when I had theoretically more time at home, I just I wasn't reading at all. And sometimes I would, I there's been a few times during the pandemic where I would just be like trying to power through a book like the day before the podcast came out, just like scripting at like midnight, just like trying to get through it because I wasn't reading a book a week. Yeah, no, feel that. I actually wrote a little thing that I was going to say on the show a couple of weeks ago. And then it just turned out that I guess we were all feeling it at the same time because you approached me and everyone else and said, you know, uh, something has to give. So I'm just gonna like touch on it now instead. But in the past two years, you know, pandemic, obviously, but I've also taken another job that requires a lot of reading and taking calls and meetings. I now also help take care of my father-in-law since my mother-in-law died last year. I help take care of my elderly neighbor because she doesn't have any family. And I now between all my jobs, I now read between 10 and 17 books a week. And with everything going on, it has been really hard to keep up with that reading. And the added stress of trying to do everything and worrying about life and everything going on and worrying about disappointing readers and disappointing my co-hosts, you know, has just added to it. It makes it really hard to read. I used to read six months out and now I am reading, you know, maybe the week before if I'm lucky, I'm getting my reading done. And the thing I wanted to say the other day is that I've been so disappointed in myself lately, and I've been doing a lot of apologizing on the show uh, for not getting to books sooner, for date changes, which I have absolutely no control over, by the way. People reach out and say, that book isn't out yet that you talked about, and I am really sorry, but I have no control over that. But I've decided that I am done apologizing, because I realize that I am not giving listeners enough credit, and for that, I am truly sorry. We are friends, we are a podcast family, and you know how hard I try and how hard I work to do this, and I know you understand. So I've decided to cut myself some slack <laughs> going forward because I know that you are all doing the same for me and that we are all in the same situation. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. I'm like, we should have had Liberty go last. I'm like tearing up over here. Um, <laughs> but but I think that really is the theme. And um, I mean, I'll be very frank. I'll, I'll chime in a little bit now here just so I can say a couple things about that. But is that I think there was potentially a perception among each of us that like not, nobody wanted to have that conversation. Like, and 
that is partially on me, right, as a managing editor. And I, I'm thankful that I'm actually just going to be candid here, if you don't mind that I talk about this. But Patricia was the one who approached me just to say, like, hey, I need to find like ways to fill my cup. And that's going to probably involve cutting back on the show. Like, what can we do? And being the person that overlooks and oversees all of our podcasts, I definitely had a no like moment because it's just like, oh, we didn't want to lose Patricia as a host. She's excellent. But also it was just like, hey, it's probably time to have this talk. Like everybody is scrambling to read these books because again, even with, you know, if you wanted to look at Liberty's situation where she is quote unquote reading all the time for work, but she's also got a, how many, you know, the average statistic, most people, if you ask like our type of readers, how many books do you read in a week? I know this from <laughs> be spending way too. Anybody who's ever moderated Facebook for uh, Book Riot will know that people are like, what are you talking about? I read five books a week. What do you mean this actual statistic is that Americans read like a power reader is considered someone who reads, I think, 12 books a year. And it might actually even be less than that now. But like the perception among these really bookish communities, and it makes sense, right? Because there's just a concentration of us is that that number is much higher. So when you hear that, and then us as hosts, we're like, okay, it's just one book a week. Like, it, I, I think, I don't know, I was definitely fearful of having to say that even to y'all as my co hosts of like, I am having to read this book the night before because I just haven't had time. Or I read a book that I just didn't like. And now I have to find another one to fill it like and then we're all of us, I think, dealing with the constraints that because we're reading books for this very specific, you know, release date, it gets really hard to fit in other kinds of reading. Almost all the books I've read in the last two years, like percentage wise, I'd say it's probably 80-20 have been books that came out on a specific day and not like backlist books that I've been meaning to get to or even just new releases from someone else's week that I'm like, I really want to read that. And so I too have felt in that place where like, is it just time to have this conversation? Because I'm not loving the act of reading the way that I did. And I've been stopping and like putting stuff down again, relying heavily on audiobooks to get through things. But I also have practically no commute. And it's just started to feel like, I don't know that we can all continue to do this all the time. And that's where I, I really am appreciative to Liberty for mentioning, like, maybe we should all just be easier on ourselves and like have more trust in our listeners to know that they too are going through just about everything that we're going through. So thank you for that. Yeah, I definitely, my reading has changed a lot. Um, so my newsletter is titled Enthusiastic Encouragement and Dubious Advice. And I read a lot of self-help and I always like dislike most of it. And so it's very much the Toni Morrison thing. If there is a book you want to read and it doesn't exist, you need to write it yourself. So that's what my newsletter is, is self-help for people like me who aren't, you know, white or religious or heterosexual or whatever. And I'm also doing some of the like every other backlist show. So on top of my day job, where I'm also doing extra things, I'm like the chair of the DEI committee for the professional organization for what I do. And so with backlist, and then sometimes two Tuesdays a week for all the books, I would read anywhere from eight to 14 books a month outside of my day job. And I found I wasn't able to read, get to things like Vanessa was saying that I have wanted to read, like new books that come out on other days or, you know, backlist picks, basically something that came out last year. I kind of make myself a little note and I'm like, I'll read it a year later for backlist. And another thing is like, I was reading a lot of self-help and finally I've hit a wall with nonfiction and nonfiction was my joy. And finally, I've just been like, I can't anymore. And I try really hard, you know, I have this platform and I try really hard to uplift books by other Black people, by other queer people. And a lot of those books are also very hard reads and everything is very hard right now. And so I finally had to reach out to Vanessa and Sometimes it's one of those things. Sometimes you have to say no to something you want to do in order to say yes to other things that you really, really want to do, because all of us are finite resources and we can only do so much. Absolutely. Teresa, how about you? I just want to say I'm so grateful for all of you, um, just for like your perspectives and for like speaking up, because I kind of feel like I have been 
like slowly drowning. But like, I love this show so much that I, I, I try and I really just want to keep doing this thing. But like, also there have been weeks where like, I will admit, I, I don't get to like finish the book. Like I, I'll get three quarters of the way through and then I feel terrible. But at the same time, I, like I, there's just not enough time in the day. And like, I never want to feel like I'm misleading anybody or like trying to like pull one over on listeners because a lot of times like these are books that I really enjoy and I really love. And I've also, you know, thought a lot about like how lucky I am. And I think how lucky all of us are that we have a job where we get to work with books. Like we, we get to be paid to talk about books on the internet. Like that is amazing. Like, teenage me would be like, you're living the dream. And like, yes, I am. But also at the same time, like with something that you do for a living, like it is work. And I have not loved that the things that I did for fun have lately started to feel like work. And I also feel like at the same time, like we all just really love books and we are all really good at talking about books. So I don't think necessarily that the shift from, you know, reading two and then talking about two that we're excited about is going to be that different because we're, we're still going to be full of enthusiasm about books and we're still going to be telling you about titles that, you know, we love or we can't wait to read. But I hope that this will just be able to provide us with a little bit of balance so we don't always feel so frazzled and like we're failing at every step. I mean, like, that's just me. I feel like I'm failing at every step. I'm not sure about all of you. You'd use those words, but it's hard. So I'm just really grateful that we can have this conversation and, you know, make the changes that we need to make to continue to be good at our jobs. Absolutely. So yeah, this actually is a good segue as well. The love when these conversations just work so organically, which is that one of the things that uh, when we were first rethinking about how to restructure the show, but still give y'all new releases and be able to actually finish them and, you know, do stuff with it is that I have approached all the hosts to say like, yeah, full disclosure, like Tirza has said, and like I have say oftentimes on the show, like full disclosure, I have not finished this book. So one of the things we talked about was, okay, well, what if we keep the show the way it is, but just sort of commit to the fact that like we may or may not be finishing these books. And actually several people came back and said, you know, I don't feel comfortable with that for a particular reason and a reason that I very much like applaud and stand behind, which is we have all been 20, 40, 60, maybe even 85% of the way through a book that we were like, I am going to recommend the crap out of this book. And then boom, something racist or transphobic or just awful happens somewhere on the page. And we are so passionate about trying to give folks trigger warnings that that suddenly puts us in a uh, position. Like I know I had that happen to me a couple times last year. So, okay, let's not do that. Right. So then we were like, well, what else can we, you know, possibly do? Can we talk about like less new releases. It's like, and I think the answer to that is yes, which is why, again, we've decided that we're going to tell you all about two new releases. And we've all collectively decided that at least, you know, for the immediate future, that finishing two books feels so much more doable than finishing four. And then getting to tell you all about books that we either are just excited about, but haven't been able to get to, or I personally, I'm, I was laughing when Patricia said the thing about like, I'll read that book next year, because that's basically going to be re- reverse engineering that same strategy of like, I wanted to read that book last year, but I couldn't, you know, but here it is today. Because yeah, we still want to have like, I, I, in case it ha- isn't clear, and I think tears are hung a nice lantern on it. But like, we all love doing the show. And we love books. This isn't meant to be like, we hate our jobs play us a tiny violin. It's that we love the gig and we want to continue doing it, but we just needed to create space for each other to be able to do so and still, like Patricia said, fill our cup in other ways is to still bring our A game when we do it and to hopefully not be staying up, you know, until 1245 the night before just praying that the last 20 pages of a book don't like ruin it for everybody. (laughs) But yeah, what like is I kind of want to just get everybody's vibe now as far as like, are you excited for the new format? Do you all have like, did you feel free when we figured out (laughs) that we were going? to do this new structure like what, what are everybody's feelings well sure you know that's eight fewer books a month for me so you know and i went oh eight books but then i was like oh whew, eight books you know the other day i read i started a 600 page book and i got 320 something pages into it before something really inappropriate happened mm-hmm. and made it so that i couldn't recommend the book yeah. and i was like that was 300 that was like a whole book that yeah. i read that I can't talk about, you know, so I have to find another one now and I'm mm-hmm. scrambling to find something else. So, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a relief as like much as I'm like, oh, I just want to tell everybody about as many books as possible. You know, I want them to be books that we really love 
you know, that we're really excited about, that we know everything about, and this is, is going to make that happen. Yeah, and I think when we're pushing ourselves past the limit, it's you're not as excited about the book. Like, we all only recommend books that we love. But when you're like, okay, I got to read two books today so that I can, you know, make sure you get to the finish line, it's not as exciting as when you could just, like, pick up a book just because you know, you're in the mood for it, or you're just, it has the vibes you're looking for it. Like, if you look at the Goodreads challenge, that's 52 books in a year, I believe is like the default challenge. And for most readers, that is a, a challenge, like that is something that is doable, but it's a push. And when, you know, you have one thing that's requiring 100% of your reading, even if it's not 100% for, for everyone, that's, that's, hard to kind of get the same enthusiasm about. So I'm really excited to be able to like pick up books casually again as well and to like pick up the two that I am most excited about that I'm like over the top can't wait to read instead of four books that are like, okay, yeah, I think I think this one also seems like one I would like. Just narrowing it down will be exciting. Totally. I've definitely had to come to terms with like not every book I recommend is going to be like five star book. Oh my gosh, Patricia, drag me. No. (laughs) I've had to come to terms with like, sometimes a book is good and that's good enough instead (laughs) of phenomenal or great because I was definitely running myself into the ground thinking I have to recommend the four best books in existence that are coming out on this day. And it's not sustainable. It is not realistic. And I'm definitely excited about the new format. It also means I can maybe recommend more graphic novels that I don't necessarily get advanced copies of. And, um, and other books that I don't necessarily get approved for advanced copies of or anything like that, or maybe the published like the publishers not doing advanced copies, but I could still recommend it because I really want listeners to hear about these books. Yeah. And I think that what this format will do is kind of like, yeah, give us a little bit of breathing space because there's a lot of considerations. I'm glad Patricia brought that up about, you know, sometimes we can't get our hands on the books that we really want to read and recommend for a myriad of weird publishing reasons. And like, also speaking personally, like I am somebody who really enjoys being like a mood reader. So there are books that I have stacked around my house that like, I want to read. And sometimes it's like, not now, but then all of a sudden it'll be like, yes, now is the time. And if I don't have like the space in my life to just like pick up a book at will, then reading definitely does become this chore and this heavy thing. And Yeah, I don't like feeling like I'm kind of bringing that energy into the show. We recommend a lot of books that we think that listeners will like for a myriad of reasons. And this will just give us a little bit more flexibility and hopefully make it so that we can continue to bring that like high energy and excitement to each episode. Yeah, I'm you guys both were basically just brought it home with what I was thinking, which is, you know, one. So I was like, oh, my gosh, Patricia, like absolutely just came from my throat is that I, too, have had that moment of like, And I really think this is an important conversation, especially when we're talking about like authors of marginalized communities is that like, I want to recommend them. And so I do. And then I feel like, okay, I liked that book, right? And I didn't love it. And I have been spending a lot of time with the idea that often folks of color, just folks from marginalized communities in general, don't get to just be, I don't even want to use the word mediocre, but like, they're not allowed mediocrity, right? Like, it's like, you have to be twice as good, etc. And sometimes a book is like, like a three star read is perfect. Like, that's great. It Not everything I read is going to be soul shaking. And that is totally, it's cool, but I feel weird because I was approaching it with, but I I wasn't thinking about this book two days later. Like, is this book I still want to recommend when the answer is like, yes, it was a fun time. It just maybe isn't one that I'll be like talking about when I'm an abuelita. And then I will full blown confess that I have been picking or like been really hesitant to pick up longer reads 
because I'm like, yes. oh my God, I do not think I can get through that 800 page bad boy, but I'm fairly positive I can get through this like 250 page four, three or whatever mm-hmm. bad boy. And that is a weird feeling because I've never shied away from book length. But when you're having to fit in those four books a month, plus everything else, like it is a thing you start to think about, but then you can't get advanced copies of some of the stuff anyway. So where do we land? There's also like, I can recognize when a book would be amazing for someone else and was good mm, yeah. for me. You know, like I can read a middle grade novel and be like, this isn't going to be, you know, a book I'm taking into my heart and carrying with me wherever I go. But if I had read it when I was 10, I know that it would be different. Or, you know, we all have our own genre preferences and things. And you can recognize when a book is really well done and has like a lot of aspects that other people will enjoy and just doesn't, you know, isn't your particular wheelhouse. Like, I'm not the arbiter of what is a good book for all (laughs) readers. Totally. I am I am not the audience for every book, nor should yeah. I be. <laughs> and and that is also, Danica, you're spot on. Like I'm also thinking very much about our listeners and thinking like, hey, this was a good enough book. Someone listening to the show is gonna freaking love this book and I am going to talk about it for them. That's excellent. Well, I will wrap up, I suppose, by just a again thanking y'all for having this conversation with me. We thank our readers for being just like for riding with us. This is like just you know a, a big show for us. Like all the books has a really really wide listenership, and we care about that a lot. And we want to continue to bring y'all books that we're super excited about. We think that these changes are going to help us be better hosts. They're going to help us bring you kind of different perspectives and like get to bring you books that we're super super jazzed about. Give us extra space to discuss stuff that we didn't get to. Like I I, I think this is going to be great for everybody, and we'll just give us all freedom to kind of find some of that joy that maybe in certain spaces had like been in diminishing supply for a bit there. But thank you so much for willing to do this. So again, I'm also kind of touching on what someone said as far as like thinking of our readership and like wanting to get even more folks to recommend books while the um, list, the hosts that you are listening to today are all still going to be a part of all the books. We're actually also going to be bringing in editor Kelly Jensen to do that fifth random week that comes up every so many months. So Patricia is now gets to take a break from having two back to back Tuesdays. Uh, she'll only be doing the you know fourth Tuesday of the month and Kelly will join in. We're also going to be adding a couple of new voices to the all the backlist recommendations because again, it may sound like, oh, well, if you just have to talk about backlist books, like there's plenty of those. Uh, you run out quickly, our co-hosts will tell you, um, because three of them I'm looking at right now. <laughs> uh, so we're going to be adding a few new uh, voices to that too. The final count on that isn't all the way, but basically just bringing on more Book Riot voices from folks that y'all hear on other podcasts already. So we've got an even bigger supply of backlist titles to tell you about and be jazzed about. So with that, um, we are going to take a quick break. And then Liberty and Patricia are still going to tell you each about two great new books that came out this week. So we've still got new releases for you. Thanks so much for listening. And we can't wait for y'all to keep listening with us in the future. Okay, so now it's just me and Patricia, and we're going to talk about the other hosts now that they're gone. <laughs> or not. Just kidding. That was so much fun! It, it's weird, and I realize, like, how much I talk with my hands while we're recording the <laughs> podcast. Like, And also, like, you know, we were doing it on, you know, we had multiple images up of everybody participating, and I kept being like, wow, that other person keeps drinking tea at the same time, or drinking from a mug at the same time I do, practically. Like, not realizing it was me. Like, a few times, I was like, wow, that person's moving around a lot. Uh, It was me. (laughs) Are you copying me? Yeah. Seriously. No, it was really great to see everyone's faces and chat with everyone because I, at the same time, I always record with you. And I've never actually recorded with any of the other regular hosts. So, that's very exciting. So, now we're going to talk about books that are coming out today that we read and enjoyed. And uh, my first pick today is... A House Between Earth and the Moon by Rebecca Sherm. I am so excited about this book. I I just, I finished it and you know, like when Kevin McAllister runs around the house in Home Alone, I know you think I don't do that, but I do. You can ask my husband. Sometimes I get so excited (laughs) about books that I just have to run around and be like, oh, that was so good. And he's like, yep, okay. So, you know, I don't step on any cats. Nobody gets hurt. It's fine. I just run around and get a little excited. So, And this is one of those books that I did it for. This is one of the two novels of 2022 that I've been calling Mandelian because it reminds me a bit of Emily St. John Mandel's writing style. 
Uh, the other is uh, How High We Go in the Dark by Sequoia Nagamatsu, if you're wondering. But House Between Earth and the Moon is so fantastic. So, imagine it's the future and the Earth is really bad off. Not that hard to imagine, right? Like, it's not a stretch. <laughs> Nailed it. Yeah. So in this book, the temperature of the planet is raging out of control. There's heat, like deadly heat, and fires are causing massive deaths. There is a scientist named Alex Welch-Peters, and he is sent into space by a giant tech company called Census to work on this project he's been working on for decades. He's trying to create a strain of algae that will eat up carbon emissions and reverse climate change. And like I said, he's been working on this for so long, and he's so close to a solution. But his passion for his work and the hours he has spent on this project has basically cost him everything. His marriage has fallen apart. Uh, he doesn't see his kids very often. And he's still, he hasn't solved the problem. And so this company, Census, says, we're going to send you to the moon. We have a space station being built there called Parallaxis. And, you know, you're going to set up there and you're going to work on it there. And it's going to be great. But really what Parallaxis is, is a space station being built for billionaires who have invested heavily in the project so that they can leave this hellscape that is Earth before everyone else. And having a scientist there is a big draw. So he goes up to the moon with some other people, uh, you know, astronauts, scientists, doctors. And there are a lot of problems at Parallaxis right away, starting with the fact that they haven't actually finished building it. They're printing all the pieces for this on a 3D printer. And they all have to pitch in and, like, build their, their rooms because they're not done. Meanwhile, back at home, Alex's family is dealing with problems of their own. We are now at the point in technology where people wear their phones as implants in their ears, their census phones. That is the company that sent Alex to space. And Alex's teenage daughter, Mary Agnes, is having a really hard time. She's being bullied by a classmate who has made this deep fake video, uh, which is where they you know, Photoshop somebody's face onto something else. And he's made this pornographic deep fake video of her. And he's been sharing it with the rest of their classmates to humiliate her. Basically, like, it just pops up into your vision as you're going about your day. And she's just having a really hard time with this. She wants to join her dad in space. She finds out that family members of people at Parallaxis are allowed to go visit, but her mother won't let her. So she's having a really hard time. There's also the founders of Census, who are two brilliant and opportunistic sisters who are kind of locked in this sibling rivalry over the fate of Parallaxis and what must be done uh, to placate their investors. One of them is more scheming than the other. Uh, she's she's kind of going behind her sister's back and doing some stuff. And she, now she wants to send her sister up there to represent their business because the billionaires are getting worried about their investment and, and her sister doesn't want to go. Uh, there's also Tess, who is a young social psychologist who's been hired by the sisters at Census to monitor the team on the space station, without their knowledge, by the way, and create an algorithm that predicts human behavior. Like, they're determined to be the first company to have an algorithm that predicts human behavior. Uh, but as Tess is watching Alex and these other members of the space station, she becomes obsessed with her work. There's so many things going on in this book. I, I feel like I'm doing a terrible job trying to get it all into one description. But it's just incredible and heartbreaking. It's the story of family and technology and the future. Some of it reminded me of We Are Satellites by Sarah Pinsker. Some were like In the Quick by Kate Hope Day. But altogether, on its own, it is just this remarkable story of survival in the face of consequences of our own actions. I just, I can't wait for everyone to read this book. I do want to give content warnings for illegal surveillance, attempted rape, suicide, illness, mass shootings, and mass deaths. This is A House Between Earth and the Moon by Rebecca Sherm. When you were describing it as Mandelian, I was like, Howie Mandel? Like Bobby's World? Like, what is... <laughs> Walk like a man? I am old. <laughs> so, speaking of comedians, uh, my first pick today is 10 Steps to Nanette, a memoir situation by Hannah Gadsby. I'm going to lead with the content warnings, and there are many of them. Rape, homophobia, including violent attacks, ableism, sexual molestation, more homophobia, racism, misogyny, assault, injury, isolation, suicidal ideation, fat phobia, and surely there may even be some that I am missing. If you are listening to this and say, but Hannah Gadsby is a comedian, this should be funny, understandable. 
If you are listening to this and have seen Hannah Gadsby's special titled Manette, then you are probably nodding your head solemnly, which I highly recommend you watch Nanette before reading this book. But it's not necessary, although she does talk a lot about the show. If you, like me, are a person who has read many memoirs by stand-up comedians, then you're probably like, yeah, all this trauma, this scans. They are almost always full of trauma. I happen to listen to this on audiobook, and it's brilliant, and I highly recommend you do so as well if you have the opportunity and inclination. This book is very much like her show, Nanette. While it is a memoir and the tale of how she became who she is and how Nanette came to be, the book in itself has a very similar feel. That is to say, I can be doubled over, absolutely choking with laughter one minute, and two sentences later, I feel like I've been punched in the face. This happens repeatedly. Uncontrollable giggles, and then it's like the wind has been completely knocked out of me, and I feel I need to sit down because I found I was actually trembling. Gadsby is phenomenal at what she does on stage, and it has translated well to this book, which I cannot say for any other comedian memoir that I've read. Much of this book is about Gadsby's childhood growing up in Tasmania as the youngest of five children. She intermittently provides a history lesson on homophobia in Tasmania and Australia as a whole, which colored how she thought of queer folks and ultimately herself. She also talks about being diagnosed with autism as an adult and is able to look back on her childhood through that lens, clicking together pieces of the puzzle of her life. Gadsby also talks about how she got into stand-up comedy and her experiences in comedy leading up to Nanette. I am absolutely fascinated by her breakdown of how Nanette came to be, how it was built and pieced together and grew and changed, and what her intentions were with it, and finally why she stopped performing it. While Hannah Gadsby is the professional comedian, after reading this book, I am convinced that her mother is truly the funniest person ever to have existed on this planet. Often if I read an advanced copy of a book, I don't feel compelled to get a finished copy, even if I enjoyed it. This book though, I pre-ordered a copy as soon as I was done reading. It is definitely one of the best books I've read so far this year. It's 10 Steps to Nanette, A Memoir Situation by Hannah Gadsby. Okay, I cannot wait to read that one. That's gonna be part of my weekend reading because I didn't get to it last week. Yes. It's going to be awesome. My other book for today is A Magic Steeped in Poison, The Book of Tea Number 1 by Judy I. Lynn. It's the initial I, but it looks like a lowercase L, and I was like, I'm going to say Judy L. Lynn. No, it's initial I, Lynn. All right, I did it right. <laughs> <laughs> the things I worry about. This is a fun YA fantasy novel steeped in Chinese mythology. Steeped. <laughs> uh, it's about a young woman named Ning. She has been named for the moon goddess, which, if you've been listening to the show or done any recent fantasy book reading, we also meet the moon goddess in Daughter of the Moon Goddess by Su Lin Tan, which is an incredible adult fantasy book that I highly recommend and raved all about. And I uh, just want to mention again. Uh, so Nin lives in a small village where her mother was a Shenyang Shi, which are masters of the ancient and magical art of tea making. Ning really wants to be her mother's apprentice, but her father is a surgeon and he insists that she help him. But in her spare time, when her father isn't around, she has also learned her mother's art. But this will bring tragedy to Ning's life because she ends up being the one who brews the tea that poisons her mother and sister. Her mother dies, her sister is made very sick by this, and they find out that someone has been poisoning the tea in the town's warehouses. And now Ning has great guilt because... Not only did she make the tea, but she thought she might have seen something in the steam when she poured it, but she wasn't sure, so she didn't say anything, and now she thinks it was an omen, and, and she's lost her mother. Uh, so her sister is now very, very ill because of this, and Ning is making potions to fight this illness, but it's not going to last forever. They don't have everything that they need. And then this invitation arrives at their house. It's an invitation for her mother's apprentice, of which she did not technically have one. The kingdom is looking to name the greatest Shenyang Shi in the lands. So Ning decides to travel to the imperial city 
to compete to be the kingdom's Shenyang Shi. And because your prize is you get a favor from the princess, whatever you want. And what Ning wants is the best medical attention for her sister. That is why she's going to do this. But she knows her father isn't going to let her, so she runs away. And in her travels to the ferry to go to the, the city, she gets in a tussle with a masked stranger who is breaking into the tea warehouse, who she thinks must be the the man or woman who poisoned her mother's tea, but they get away. Uh, and she's just very distraught and, and lonely and miserable. And she finally arrives at the kingdom. And she's nervous because not only must she win the competition to help her sister, but she technically isn't her mother's apprentice. So she worries about being discovered. Then it turns into a little bit like a YA fantasy cooking competition show of ancient times. Like, you have to make a tea to match this meal. It's like the great YA fantasy bake-off. And Ning also meets a handsome, mysterious young man in the village who may not be who he says he is. This is just a really compelling, fun, romantic, heart-squeezing YA competition fantasy novel with an absolutely gorgeous cover. I'm all for all the colors on all the covers. Check out The Candy House by Jennifer Egan if you haven't already. And there's more to come in this series. I drank it down in one sitting. Haha, more tea jokes. I do want to give content warnings for illness, murder, death of a loved one, animal death, classism, and violence. This is A Magic Steeped in Poison, The Book of Tea Number 1 by Judy I. Lynn. Let's see. I also have some puns, by the way. Bring them. I'm ready. Let's see. For my second pick today, I have A Quick and Easy Guide to Asexuality by Molly Muldoon and Will Hernandez. This is the next installment in Limerence Press's Quick and Easy Guide series. I've definitely talked about others on the show before, like A Quick and Easy Guide to They Them Pronouns and A Quick and Easy Guide to Sex and Disability. These are small guides that can fit in a large pocket. This one is under 80 pages. The intention is to give an overview, dispel some myths and stereotypes, offer some advice, and have a few references at the end for further education. This is a helpful book for people who are asexual, aka ace, folks questioning whether they might be ace, and anyone who wants to understand a bit about asexuality. It is written and illustrated by folks who are ace themselves. While these things are neither discussed nor depicted in graphic detail, there are mentions of sexual violence, ace phobia, depression, rejection and invalidation, and medical discrimination. Again, this is a quick and easy guide, and by no means comprehensive. Asexuality isn't widely understood by most people in our society, and this book wants to offer a positive exploration. That being said, it goes over basics like, what is asexuality? It means not feeling sexual attraction. It does not have to do with romance, even though they do mention a bit of info about being aromantic, and asexuality does not have anything to do with actually having sex. It's about attraction, not the act. Some ace people enjoy sex. As with many things, asexuality is a spectrum, and this book gives a bit of an overview of that, though being ace is different for everyone. There's a fun cake metaphor that is used when describing different expressions of asexuality, and I was happy to see it illustrated and included in this book. If you're not familiar with the cake metaphor, then you are in for a treat. Wah, wah. Along with general information, Muldoon and Hernandez also offer some personal shares about how asexuality is for them and their experiences. Learning about something academically is great, but it is also so helpful to ground what we learn in actual people's lived experiences. There are sections on dating and growing up ace and common questions and much more. I am very impressed with the amount of information they are always able to pack into these books. Most importantly, this book seeks to normalize asexuality to let folks know that they're not alone and they're not broken. Definitely another book to add to my collection. It's A Quick and Easy Guide to Asexuality by Molly Muldoon and Will Hernandez. All right. So before we talk about what we're going to read next, I just want to give a quick shout out to everyone who sent pet pictures since I asked for them last week. 
so many cute animals. And also, an extra shout out to Gina, who sent just the loveliest email that made me cry into my cereal uh, while I was trying to get ready for the show. Just the nicest. So, thank you to everyone. And please, keep them coming. We love your emails. We love the pet pictures. Yeah. So now, Patricia, it has been a very emotional, all the books. (laughs) It has been. (laughs) What are you going to read next? Well, kind of... In reference to our earlier conversation, like a lot of this started, like the changes started because I was like, I need to draw a boundary. So right now I'm actually rereading Set Boundaries, Find Peace by Nedra Glover Tawab. I feel like it came out last year and it's one of those books I'm like, I'm just going to read it every year. How about you? I have started a graphic novel aimed at ages 6 through 10, but it is some of the most beautiful artwork I have ever seen. It is The Wondrous Wonders by Camille Jordy. It comes out in November. Sorry, I'm talking about it so soon. Oh, I said I wasn't going to apologize. Okay, I take that back. No, you're not sorry. (laughs) It comes out in November, and you're going to like it. But it's just about this young girl named Joe who's upset because her parents are getting divorced, so she runs away into the forest, and she meets, like... These, I don't even know, like elves and talking animals and they like to wear cake and dessert and they wear dogs that wear rainbow boots. And it's so beautiful, though. The artwork is just amazing. Uh, And she's decided to help these people uh, free some of their citizens from the evil kingdom. So um, just incredible. I will make sure, you know, to drop that in the show notes like we always do, as well as all of the titles that we discussed today. And that's it for us today. Thank you to our sponsors. Thank you to our awesome audio editor, Jen Zink. Thank you to everyone who joined us today to talk. Even, you know, we get to see each other in person. That was amazing. You can drop us a line at allthebooks at bookriot.com if you want to send your pet pictures or talk about books. You can find us online. Patricia hangs out on Twitter and Instagram at The Info File. I mostly hang out on Instagram at Friends and Comes Alive. And if you want to give us a treat, you can go to Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever it is that you get your podcasts and leave a rating or review. It helps other book lovers to find us. And as much as we would love to tell you about more books today, we are emotionally drained. <laughs> but you can read about more titles out now in the show notes at bookriot.com slash all the books, as well as find a link to our weekly new books newsletter. And for more recs or general bookishness, check out bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. And in the meantime, happy, happy reading! reading.